to Slow Ride Reviews, the Slow Ride Podcast's review show about reviews. This is Spencer in Boston. <laughs> this is Matt in Minneapolis. This is Tim in Orlando, and it's the first time all three of us have been on the Slow Ride Reviews. This is the third mm-hmm. yeah. episode. Um, since all three of us are here, Spencer, yeah. we have a lot of podcast green room talk that we talk a lot about the different shows and different ideas that sure. we have. What is your on the tape reaction to the first time you heard little guys created intro music and outro music of the slow ride review show? Uh, I, <laughs> I laughed out loud because I was like, well, I couldn't have imagined it more little guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was just like, Oh, of course. So, yeah. <laughs> thank you. It's, it's absolutely nailed amazing. It. Yeah. I think that, yeah, you nailed it. I, when people hear that, they know the review show is coming and um, it's just <laughs> what it says. It's low frills. It's not, you know, it, it's going to, it gets right to the point. It's, it's good stuff. And uh, I'm excited for this show tight. as we continue to go this, uh, this route. So th- the idea is that, you know, we get items, we get things sent to us. We, we read a lot of books. We, there's other things that we want to talk about that are a little bit different than the slow ride podcast jargon and banter that makes no sense. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, there's some things that, yeah, we're, I like to think that we're not bike experts, but we're cyclists that have been around in the game for a little while now, and, and we get to try out some different things, and I think that this is a good avenue for us to uh, share some of our experiences. I absolutely think we're experts. I think I'm going to disagree with you there. Like, yeah. this is this I'm is the reason sure people I'm are tuning in, because we know things. what we're talking about. We've, we've been there. We've done that. We've used all the bad chamois creams, and we can tell you which one's the worst. Save you some yes, money. We can. Um, when we do these reviews, we're always going to let you know kind of like how we come across the products and kind of our thoughts. And uh, the best part is uh, we get to ask each other questions about some of these items that uh, we got. So <laughs> I'm going to roll right into a new one for us. And let me just say that about three weeks ago, <laughs> I got a box on my front porch. Yeah. It was addressed to me. It was an Amazon box. What'd you and buy? And it said, you know, Tim, I didn't buy this. I checked my credit card statement. <laughs> I I talked to my wife. Dr- I talked to all of my parents. Purchase. I've asked you guys like yep. kind of sideways mean. to see if you guys bought me this. Like, like, cause I didn't want to bring it up to be like, Ooh, maybe you guys told me you're going to do this. And then I, you know me, I like only half listened half the uh-huh. time. And so I was like, Oh, maybe like one of these jokers sent this over to me. And I opened up this box. You know, uh, little guy, this does give us a great opportunity to just start sending Tim random things from Amazon and just pretending <laughs> like we have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I got no, this. For sure. I opened up the box. Classic Amazon no frill packaging. Uh-huh. And it is. I'm holding it up for you guys to see for the first time. It's called Liquid IV. Okay. Which is a creepy name. Fueling life's adventures, and it's called an it's a hydration multiplier electrolyte drink mix, utilizing cellular transport technology. When I first oh, read cellular legit. transport technology, I right away was thinking of Star Trek, huh. and I was like, yeah. "Beam me up, Scotty!" <laughs> like, because I'm pretty sure that that's how they get across the galaxy. Um, and it goes on to say that. A one liquid IV can provide the same hydration as drinking two to three bottles of water. Wait. Now, little guy, you'd be happy to know that it is vegan, soy-free, okay. oh, good. dairy-free, good. and gluten-free. And so I got the lemon-lime uh, how... flavor here. Okay, so it tells you all that. Now, yes. it's called liquid IV, which to me sounds like you're going to test yeah. positive. Did you run all the ingredients uh, through the USADA app? before you started ingesting this product. <laughs> I did not. That's I don't think I need to because I went to the website. Oh, okay. So I, remember, I don't know how I got this. So maybe they sent it That's to me. That's why I would run it past the USADA website if but I it, were you. But you know, go on. It very well could have been someone that was like there that has seen me on a ride. And I you guys know me. I bring a lot of water bottles on a ride. So and it's also Florida with the Florida mm-hmm. heat. It gets very, very hot right. down here. And so it comes in tubes, right? And you open up the tube and you pour it into a water bottle and that should be that should be the equivalent of three. So here, here's water the question bottles, I have. Basically. Do you fill up the water bottle a third of the way or halfway because the hydration multiplies? Or 
Like that's how you would use it, Spencer, because you're a camel. Um, and you only drink one water bottle on like a so nine hundred mile ride. So yeah, but I'm, I'm worried this, about a full so, bottle exploding because there's too much water inside. Now, if you oh, multiplied it, there's too no. much hydration. No, yeah, Spencer, that no, you you fill up the water bottle, you just okay. put it in. It's a mix. So it's not like a dinosaur, one of those dinosaurs yeah. you put water in, and no. a couple of days later you yeah. got a bigger dinosaur. No. Okay, got it. So again, got this free. I don't know who sent it to me. I think it's one of you two that just thought it would be funny because Florida has a lot of dopers getting busted for positive and they're like a liquid <laughs> IV. Okay. Let me give you the okay. review. I've now used four sticks. Does it, they call does them it have a flavor? Yes. Okay. Lemon lime. They have a couple of Classic. different flavors. They have like um, a key berry uh, or a sai, sorry, or however you call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're right. It's, they have passion fruit. It's so okay. I put it in right. the water bottle. You did it. I didn't you know took the plunge. Express. I took the plunge. Well, yeah, <laughs> I was. You know, I should have probably checked the water because I'm a little concerned that this just open shows up on my porch and I'm already adjusting <laughs> it into my body. But <laughs> first review, the packaging is okay. Rasmussen said it's, too. It just showed up on my porch and I saw I ingested it and I can't believe it was calf's blood. So, so they they on the packaging they tell you a little bit of the story. Yeah, I need to know. I need to know, know the story. So Liquid IV was founded in 2012 by two best friends from the beaches of Santa Monica. Okay. As collegiate athletes, Brandon and Hayden were, <laughs> were sick of consuming sports drinks filled with artificial colors, flavors, sweeteners, and preservatives. So they partnered with a group of world-renowned nutrition scientists to create a line of healthy, effective, and great-tasting products based on a breakthrough nutrient delivery system. And then you go to their website. Apparently, cellular transport technology was a um, was developed by like the World Health Organization to help hydrate areas that had low water consumption and clean water. Okay. Okay. So like that's the idea. And so then they have yeah. like you know the mission defeating dehydration globally. And so every time you hydrate with liquid IV, it helps others do the same. Your purchase directly impacts the lives of those who need it most. So there is like a, a mission behind some sort of charity aspect, kind of like Tom's. Yeah. Okay. So wait, they fill a water <laughs> bottle in, yeah. in a sub-Saharan African country so, or something. Yes. Don't quote me on that. And and what they say is the key to hydration is uptake, not intake. So conventional hydration products are not optimized for absorb absorption. Our body's absorption of water is absolutely dependent on the transport of electrolytes, particularly sodium and glucose. So I read that and I saw sodium. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that means salt. So <laughs> I take a big swig of this in the water yeah. bottle. Lemon lime, it tastes good. Okay. But it is there's definitely a lot of sodium in this in this in this packet. Yeah. So the taste isn't it's not like I'm drinking a Gatorade or an, an all sport or a Powerade. You know, something that tastes like it's very sugary. Sure. This is like, like I'm drinking salt water. Um, mm. okay. But in Does the hot weather, it was satisfied? 85 degrees the other day when I was riding. And I felt that I was actually fairly hydrated. I drank one bottle of this and I had two water bottles with me. So I drank the equivalent of six bottles. And um, it was okay. I probably actually, honestly, I'd, I'd probably buy it again. Interesting. Be but what I don't okay. like. I can tell you the two things I don't like. One is you get a bag and then inside the bag is 16 individually wrapped sticks. And so you're like, there's a lot of wasted packaging. Okay. And then to open yeah. up the individual stick, it's like tear here. And then you tear it and it doesn't allow you to pour it in. Like you still have to like, I just take scissors now to cut it open. Mm. Um, but I think in the hot summer months, this would actually work here in Florida. So I would give this a, um, I would give the liquid IV the branding and like the naming, horrible. I don't like the name Liquid IV. I think it's really weird. The taste, eh, it's not it's bad. Creepy. And I, the jury's out, but I'm actually, I would probably buy it again. I, I would buy it for the first time because I do think cool. that it, it's a pretty good hydration. And the cost seemed fairly, you know, average for like in that space. Hmm. Did you have a go-to hydro? Do you do you usually use yes. these weird powders? I'm just a straight water guy. So well, I'm, I'm a straight water, but then I started having some problems. And 
cramping and then mostly just it yeah. gets so hot so i started using hammer heat but that stuff leaves a stomach ache for me and this is something yeah. that like i think Very you sugary. i think that you know this happens to a lot of folks so this is this is 25 bucks so it ends up being about a dollar 50 per bottle that you use so 16 6 25 bucks mm-hmm. i i think it's and then if you go online you can get like 20 percent off so liquid iv check it out it's liquid-iv.com I got it for free. They may have sent it. I don't know who sent it, <laughs> but um, it's this is great. I would buy it again. But I, I would say you, this. But... I would say this is that it's it tastes like a drink mix, right? Like okay, like when you have these mixes, they're they don't always taste great. So like, don't expect the Kool Aid Man to come bursting through the wall, being like, <laughs> "Hey, I got liquid IV for you," and then. Yeah. You think it's really good tasting because this is very salty, but I think it's going to do the trick because it's done it on the, the the rides that I've used it so far. So check it out, Liquid IV. Um, thanks for whoever sent this to me. Um, I don't know who it was. Yeah. And like, thanks, what's cr- crazy? Like, I thought maybe it would be for a neighbor, but my name was still on it. Yeah. So they knew it was you. Yeah. Someone sent know. this. I I think it might be my parents, and they forgot. <laughs> like honestly, like that could I, be. I could see. Uh, Bill just being like, "Oh, that looks good." I, you know, I saw a commercial for it on CNBC or something, and then sent it out to me. Possible. Well, well yeah. Well, you'll have to see what he's drinking when he goes out for rides yeah. next time you're digging yeah. through his. We'll covers. dig deeper into this one for you, uh, Timmy. Um, but uh, past this, I know you guys uh, had an opportunity to follow up uh, at post Schwamigan, uh with Gary Carandell and uh, get get some words, get some airtime with him uh, about the event and his experience with it. Um, what do you, what do you got for me? So it was awesome to be able to track him down. Cause when we were up there, you remember how busy oh, he was yeah. and how way too busy, like rightfully so. I mean, he what 36 years, I believe little guy um, that he had yeah. or 35. I, and I he would call know. us out. We got to write in the interview. Yeah. He calls us out in the interview because yeah. we messed it up in the interview too. <laughs> so, but the stories that he has of like his favorite riders that he worked with, which was really cool. And then, I mean, it's just you're talking to someone that created, that helped create an entire mountain bike community mm-hmm. and a yeah. destination race in northern Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And it may seem like very regional, but um, he has experience talking to a lot of promoters across the country. He talks about the lesser known Midwestern race called Iceman Cometh. Um, you know, like <laughs> just he, some little thing that he, some people do. He tells us who his favorite racer was that he ever had on the top step of the podium. He talks about, um, you know, the Lawn Brothers and the single speed win and just everything that you can imagine. It was a lot of fun to discuss. Um, the best part about uh, Gary is that he clearly loves the sport and he also has just the right amount of like, snark that i really like like as a promoter right like there's just the right amount of like he's heard it all before he really doesn't care what you think but he kind of does because he knows it's how he's going to make the money right to get you back so he wants you to have a good event so he wants the feedback but you know if you're going to call and complain to him about your start your start position there's probably better ways to do it than to call him up you know what i mean yeah he might help you but he's going to roll his eyes while he does it. I mean, That's you, you got to, I think you got to have some snark if you're going to last for, um, 30 some years dealing with, uh, I mean, oh, yeah. let's admit it. We can be a whiny. Uh, oh yeah. We're the worst group of people. I mean, we're this guy. like, he deserves so many high fives. He produced a mountain bike race newspaper for all these years oh, yeah. that you get before, you know, like fat tracks, all the, all the news that's fat yeah. to print. Like, I mean, it, I just, it is a work, a labor. I just of got work. my uh, most recent issue of Fat Tracks with the results from this year's Schwamigan oh, in it. Nice. Uh, I had to scan all, through a lot of pages before I found <laughs> me and little guys' names. I, I have not gotten my issue yet. I, I haven't gotten I am, it yet. Wow. Dang. How long have you guys tomorrow, had it? Maybe. I haven't had mine yet. So okay. A couple days. Maybe tomorrow. A couple days. Oh, all right. You know? All right. Very exciting. Oh, wow. So, anyways. Okay. Cool. Hope people like the interview. Um, Go buy your liquid IV and, uh, but you know, double check that, that water list yeah. people. And if you have anything else, you can always email us at the slow ride podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, we'll talk to you, uh, quickly on the website. Mm-hmm.
All right, so we are here with uh, an interview that's been a long time coming, and we're with uh, the fat man himself of the Shawamigan Fat Tire Festival, Gary Crandall. And uh, Gary, welcome to the Slow Ride Pod. Yeah, thanks. Actually, it's kind of a slow ride in my office now that I'm, uh, uh, you know, a few weeks away from the event. It's a different pace well, than it was at that event weekend. <sighs> I gotta. I just have to assume because you've been running this event for thirty six years that uh, you really looked forward to the emails the morning after asking if the muddy conditions at this year's event are going to affect their staging position for year number thirty seven. I'm assuming you got some emails like that. You know, I absolutely did, which was pretty <laughs> funny. Uh, I mean, here we're a year away from the next event, and people are already concerned where they're going to be lining up next year. And, uh, although, uh, speaking of emails, I got very few emails after the event and that's always a sign of a successful event. Uh, other than, you know, I lost my pair of socks or a pair of shoes in the lost and found or a, maybe the very rare timing problem, but very few emails after the event. And that always means that things went well. Well, that, that that's good. To, so it's a, are you going to miss those? Because I mean, really burying the lead here is that this was your last year's the the main man itself for thirty six of the thirty seven Schwamigans. You've been the the head honcho, and now uh, no more. So, are you still going to be getting these emails, and are you going to miss them? Well, uh, actually, it's thirty five of the thirty six Schwamigans. So, don't get ahead of yourself there. <laughs> well, we're known and, for um, facts. Yep. <laughs> and uh, you know, I think if there was something that I would miss. I, I, one of my other titles along with the fat man has always been Mr. Correspondence. I, I have always done all my own correspondence, whether it was with, uh, uh, sponsors, volunteers, staff, uh, community organizations, or, you know, most notably the participants. People are always surprised when I answer their emails almost in real time because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the inbox constantly. And, and you know what? I think, I think I'm going to miss that. You know, because that's a lot of that's a lot of input from, you know, literally tens of thousands of people over the year that have all, you know, most of whom have become friends of mine. And I actually remember quite a few names now. But, uh, yeah, I think I will miss that. OK, well, that's understandable. But I mean, so the correspondence, sure. Are you will you be at the Shawamigan Fat Tire Festival next year? You know, I will. I'm going to I'm going to play some role. Uh, I'm not sure what that role is, and, and it was interesting, um, as I went through the event weekend, I actually was approached by a number of people uh, about what I was going to do next year, and, and it was all across the board, uh, you know, asking me to participate with them in a, in a variety of really diverse ways, and, and I thought, you know, it's really, it's an open slate. I can, I can decide to do what I want to do. I think I'll be... Uh, Somewhat on the event staff in some capacity, if not just uh, uh, even a gopher, because I know where things are and how things work. So, but I'll see how that develops over the over the next uh, over the next year. Right on. Well, and I think that you know, for our listeners, we've talked a lot about Schwamigan and kind of the legacy it has in the Upper Midwest, um, and it's kind of the race you need to go to. And uh, we failed to do that for so long that I moved away to the state of Florida. Spencer moved to Boston. And little guy lives right there in Minneapolis. So really, you should be most mad at little guy, uh, uh, Matt here, for, for not coming because he's been so close. But we went yeah. across he the country to come. He should have made it here for sure. How did that uh, uh, training for the hills and the Shawamigan work out in Florida for you? I think that'd be it, a difficult challenge. Well, that's, that's a really good question. You know, and that was the fear because we had our competition on who was going to win, and no one really picked me to win. And I destroyed these guys. And I have to admit that. <laughs> I think that the hills of Schwamigan mirror some of the um, the overpasses down here quite well. Uh, uh-huh. But I got to admit, I was totally underestimating the hills on the actual Berkey Trail that you have seemed to find and utilize. That those are uh, those are pretty gnarly, especially the last uh, five to six miles of the trail, and then uh, obviously Fire Tower Hill. But um, so. Thousands of people have come to this event over the years. It's one of the largest mountain bike races in North America, I think is fair to say. 
Who's your favorite competitor? That's we ever- are one of, one of the big ones. Yeah, we gave up uh, claiming that we were the largest uh, once we started setting our limit on the event. It wasn't. We we like to think of ourselves uh, not so much in quantity, but as in quality. So we like to think we're Good one plan. of the best. Uh, events in the country well and without a doubt we totally agree with yeah. you on that i mean it, we haven't had one one bad thing to ever say except that it was really really muddy um i liked that i, I kind good. of enjoyed that too so. uh, now little guy had a couple of flat tires so he probably wants a little bit more neutral support out there for his <laughs> for his bike because he claims that's what held him up so much uh, well, you know, uh, you go back uh, in the history of the sport, and it was all always, if not a, uh, you know, if not an established rule once uh, events started to get sanctioned, but just kind of a ethical rule is people were always responsible for their own repairs. Yeah. Um, you could uh, uh, you could carry your own parts and pieces and tools. You could. You could uh, call on the um, uh, the aid of strangers who might help you, and a lot of people stop and help people along the way. But we've never provided uh, technical support in the event. And I've had a couple of people mention that they thought we should have um, uh, tech support at uh, aid stations. And I go back to the original, back in the old day ethic, that you carry your own darn chain tool and well, your pump and your tire and and you get mm-hmm. yourself going because if you're out riding by yourself, you have to do that. So and, yeah. if you would have seen the guy's bike, if you would have seen his bike, it would have been straight out of the first year of the event itself. So you would have been quite proud that he had to take care of all of his own mechanical problems. Actually, one of my buddies who came from Atlanta, who was one of our original uh, founders, Mike Gerke, uh rode the event for 25 years. Um, he came back because it was, uh, you know, the Fat Man's Farewell Tour. And uh, he rode his um, his original Schwinn High Sierra that he rode in 1983, and I can't imagine that that wasn't a tough assignment in those conditions. But, was yeah, was he, he rode, the guy rode with the kid in the party. Was he the camel bike? Is it all painted camel now? I think painted I saw camel. It. Yeah. Yep, yeah. I talked to him. I talked to him on one of, <laughs> one of my many uh, my multiple flat tires where I was probably about last on course and I was picking my way through and seeing everybody for like the second time. So you're starting to get kind of really friendly and have a little more time to chat now that you've seen everybody a couple of times. Uh, he seems like a really nice guy. Further back you are. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, <laughs> so I was alluding to it a little bit earlier, but I got to know after all these years, thousands of people coming through, um, who like I, from the the winners, kind of that top tier professional cyclist, male, female, is there one that really sticks out to you that, that you're like, okay, the event made it when this person showed up from like at a national competition standpoint? That that's a pretty easy answer. And anybody you'd ask about kind of give the same answer. Uh Greg Lamont came in nineteen ninety and ninety one under similar conditions, actually, uh in ninety, which was the first uh, this was Lamond was at the peak of his career. And of course, he's a Midwestern guy, uh, based out of the Twin Cities. Kind of got goaded into coming by some of his other buddies, uh, uh, top riders who had come before Mark Fries from lacrosse, who won a couple of times in the early years. And Jeff Bradley, who was a national champion many times, many times and rode with that 7-Eleven team, uh, who actually has a place up here now. Um, they kind of got they kind of got Greg to come in '90, and it was almost um, it was worse conditions. Actually, it rained seven inches the night of the event, and uh, uh, the night before the event, and uh, the day of the event was a pretty nice day, similar to this year, but it completely transitioned the course. And so he won in '90 and '91, and and I mean this is when he was coming off a Tour de France wins, and it. it you kind of felt like you made it when somebody like Lamond would show up. Yeah, I'm sure. And then, so Lamond, uh, so I'm, I'm surprised you chose Greg Lamond over Gene Oberpriller of uh one-on-one in downtown Minneapolis. Cause he was always the, uh, the Shawamigan hero that we saw him because of, uh, when he won, he had the, uh, the Bridgestone XO bike that's still up on his wall. Oh, yeah. If you want, if you want me to pick uh <laughs> five or 10 great champs, 36 years, you know what <laughs> one of those uh, okay he's uh if not if not uh, from his um uh, uh of trying to win the event and then finally winning in the event but and the bike that he wanted on but just from his 
his uh, I mean he's a colorful guy. I mean he's a he's he's a legend in the Twin Cities in the Midwestern cycling and actually nationally and and Gino what what a great guy. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, he wrote it on a tandem one time with Joe Parkin. Oh my god. Uh, Parkin no, really? Parkin also he Parkin used to race in Europe and has written a couple of great yeah. books on cycling. Yeah. And uh Gino and and uh, Joe Parkin uh, rode this tandem. And they got around the corner uh, after Railroad Street on the Highway 77, and and they and they laid it down right in the middle of the road. So they they could have together could have wiped out the entire uh, rollout in in the 40, but somehow people were skilled enough to get around it. I'm I'm not oh, really wow. surprised that they laid it down in in like less than two miles onto the uh, the course. Yeah. <laughs> but- well. It's- it's like uh, it's like driving the Queen Mary out there. Those tandems. I mean, imagine those in the rollout. Naturally, if you if you read the or if you look at the Trail Genius videos, um, the top uh, mixed tandem uh, had a GoPro camera on it, and uh, go on the Trail Genius site and 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 watch that GoPro video of the rollout on the tandem, and it, and it's it's just it's like uh, white knuckle time. You know, yeah. where those guys are mixing themselves up and people are going left and right around them and changes the speed. I mean, but it's a, it, it's a stupendous, uh, uh, firsthand scene of what that rollout looks like from the front of a bike. Well, two things here. One is I love that there's tandems in the race because when I'm riding with them and they're blowing past me on the downhills or, you know, vice versa on the climbs, it's great to have that mix. I think that's what I love about the event is it's a mass start. Everyone's together. But then let's get into that mass start a little bit. Little guy and I were, um, you know, we were, we were rookies. We, we read our um, the newspaper that you sent out. We, we were like, you know, we're not going to ask for a, uh, a a further up gate start. We're gonna we're gonna mix among the people. Um, <laughs> and we walked. We we start going down Main Street, and everyone's like, yeah, it's up there by the uh, the school. We start walking by the school, uh, Gary, and there's gate one, and then gate two. And then we're looking for gate seven and we don't even see the number seven until we get around the corner at the school and the entire parking lot is full. Um, that was quite the experience to see that many people on the rollout. And I actually kind of enjoyed starting way in the back a little bit. Um, you know, yeah, you got to, it was you, fun. Get, you got to see all different types of bikes, different types of characters in the back. There's people back there that want to be the last one through uh, town. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Well, and you were back there with uh, uh, Lee Bergett and his uh, POS crew. That uh, Lee was the one that rode it on the uh, recumbent tricycle. Yeah, yeah, we saw that, that was really impressive. That was really <laughs> impressive. Yeah, I rode. Uh, there's a, there's going to be a story in the post race fat tracks, which I'm I'm trying to get printed here uh, um, pretty soon. I'm 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 closing in on it. Uh, but yeah, that was a great story. Um, yeah, Lee completing the forty with the help of his teammates. Oh, yeah, I saw them a few times out on trail with, yeah, kind of a line of them all helping him get through some of the more, especially the muddy sections. I mean, it was, it was, it was a tough day for anybody, but much less on the tandem. And it was, it was great to see that whole team working together for one cause. <laughs> that was the goal, get Lee to the finish line. And Lee, Lee got there on his own power and through the, the help and encouragement of his POS teammates. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. How was, um, so we had heard stories for years, right? Cause we, I mean, we've been involved with cycling out of the twin cities kind of where we started. I mean, sadly 20 years now, probably like we're getting near that level. I guess at the, uh, we had always heard about stories of people getting up at like two in the morning to set up bikes the night before. Oh, sure. Like, is that still the case or now it's with the gate assignment? It's not as much of like the race to the finish line to be in that front row. So one of the, one of the, uh, uh, almost immediate positive uh, uh, results of uh, lifetimes acquisition of the Shawamigan after myself and my buddies had started and owned it for so many years was they, they had, uh, they had dialed in that uh, uh, gate system at Leadville, which has about 1800 people in the rollout at the start. So, so it's a similar rollout to uh, Shawamigan, although we're a little bit bigger than that. And so we instituted that uh, uh, seven-gate system, six of which you have to qualify for. Um, and that that pretty much – people still get there pretty early. We don't let them get on the street until my start line chief, Billy Ryan, says they can get on the street, which is usually about 6 o'clock. But, yeah, people used to go up and just 
camp out on the school lawn and cause we had gate one and then we had everybody else. And, mm-hmm. um, it was tough enough just selecting the people for gate one. And, but everybody else, if they wanted to be up in front, they had to line up pretty early. So, so we instituted that right after, um, 2012 was when uh, lifetime acquired the event. And, uh, I think, uh, I don't know if we did it in 2012, but we certainly did it in 2013. Uh, we started that gate system and, and, you know, it made for a, a, a safer, uh, fairer and more sane rollout. It's still, it's still uh, got a little bit of the running of the bulls with it, but, um, but at least you kind of stack people up in, in the approximate order they should be stacked up in. So, yeah, no, that's, uh, that was a great improvement in the event. So uh, do you think that if with a better gate, gate stage, I'm going to be able to improve on my amazing three hours and 47 minute time next year. Do you think that, that I should be in gate two with a, with a quality time like that this year? Well, every year is different, you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe you get the, get the flat or get, you know, run yeah. off into some place. And, and uh, so, yeah, you, you'd certainly, you'd certainly pick up some time just by virtue of having a better gate because it's a gun time. We don't, yeah. We don't do a chip time at the start and I could, I could go into reasons why it's good to do that or not do it. And there's, there's a variety of, uh, uh, thoughts on that. But, you know, then again, when you're starting from gate seven, what difference does it make if it's a gun or a chip time? You, you can look at your watch and see what. <laughs> yeah. Well, Very and true. you know, when a gate, it's a, it's not rocket science, but it's, there is some consistency to it. And, and, um, that's one of the things I've been talking to Peter Spencer about, who's going to be the new director is, is how do you handle those, uh, gate assignments? I mean, some of them, most of them, for the most part, if you've got a time, you're automatically assigned a gate, but then, then you really just need to sit down and look at, uh, um, you know, what people send you as far as why they want to be in a better gate and, and you make some value judgments and, and um, I guess that's part of the skill of being a director that's pretty hands-on, you know, rather than saying, here's your, here's your gate, this is what you get, no changes. You know, we, we're we reasonable folks. We always listen to what people would like to do. Um, one of the things that stuck out to me, Gary, and I don't know who's responsible for this, um, I like to think that it, it was Uncle Ed because he's brilliant. And um, I know he's listening to this right now, but... When I went through the when I went through the when I went through the registration tent, normally when you go through a registration tent, you get a bag, and then the bag is already stuffed with all the things that are needed. Like, oh, you get your one thing of goo. And being a former race promoter myself, where an amazing two hundred people showed up, so you know, I've got a little bit of, I've got a huge track record of success compared to thirty five hundred that come to your event or whatever. Um, but one of the things I hated stuffing those bags, but I loved that you guys came up with the very relative and simple solution of having the riders do it themselves. So here's your number, here's your bag, go pick out your goo, go pick out your, uh, you know, whatever, like your, your shirt size as you moved through the assembly line. So whoever came up with that was awesome. That's just another example of Schwamigan being a step above every other event I've been to. We, uh, I tell you, and that, and all that credit, uh, goes to, uh, uh, I call them the bib pickup girls. It was the four ladies that, uh, handled my athlete services registration and uh, bib pickup for the short and fat and the 40. Uh, two years ago, they said, we really think we shouldn't stuff the bags. And I had a history of stuffing bags for 33 years. <laughs> yeah. And I think part of the, uh, part of my success as an event director and part of the reason that I retain staff is I, is I actually listen to the people that are doing the job. I mean, we all enjoyed getting together for the collating party because we collated the bags, we put them in a trailer and then we had a big pizza party. So we found other reasons to eat pizzas and drink beer. So, so we stopped stuffing the bags and we kind of called it the trick or treat uh, gauntlet where you grabbed your bag and you walked through and you, and you tossed stuff in your bag and you went out and it, it, it was much easier, much easier to handle the stuff. I think everything flowed really well. And that was because of these, uh, these four gals that, um, said, you know, we really think we shouldn't stuff the bag. And I said, okay, let's, let's go for it. Let's try that. Oh, I, we set it up 
it was a great success and, and hopefully we'll continue doing it that way. Oh, I loved it. It was, it was like, wow, I've never seen someone rethink in a, like an entire, like that was standard bike race promotion. And I hated every moment of it for my small races. And then I go to like the biggest <laughs> event I've ever been in. And it was like, wow, solutions been found. And it was right there all along. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and we didn't see it until somebody said, you know, it'll work better if we do this. And one, and again, another part of the success of this event and why people like it, uh, the staff has been uh, pretty long term. I mean, I, 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 I usually use the number thirty five, thirty five, thirty six key people that are chiefs or or high level in 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 you know as many departments. And uh, together they have over, you know, 825 years of experience. So every year we try to, again, not try to make it bigger, but what can we do to make it better? And it might be better for the participants. It might be better for the community. It might be better for the volunteers. It might be better for the staff. What is it we can do? And that's the fun part of managing such a great team is that, hey, here's, you know, we come out of the event and we say, hey, Here's the thing we can do next year that'll make it make it better, and and that happens. You know, we do we do critiques, we write things down, and while it's fresh in your mind, write down what you want to do different next year to make it better. Oh, and it it was a lot of fun, and I yeah, I guess that um, uh, one one of the things that I my takeaway was is that my parents, I guess they finally sold it. We, we kind of closed out a cabin in style over Schwamigan Race Weekend, and I have to admit, I was really you know, since I've moved away, they got this cabin and I never got to go up there and ride mountain bikes. Cause you have the Berkey trail, right? But what the highlight to me is like the entire, like uh cab to trails. That Camba. Are up there. Camba. Sorry. Camba. Camba. I, yeah. My bad. Wamigan, Wamigan area mountain, mountain bike, bike association. And it's amazing. Like the trails. That Which coincidentally, so the Wamigan fat tire festival gave Camba when they started. And I was on the initial board of directors, I walked into the first meeting we were going to have about with Canva and I wrote him a check for a thousand bucks and said, here, let's go raise some money and, and, uh, you know, get this organization going. I wasn't the reason why the organization got going, but a lot of things start and, you know, people put, you know, 50 bucks in here and 20 bucks in here. And I thought, well, I've got this financial resource in the Shawamigan event. I knew people were coming up here because they always stopped in my office and asked where to go riding. And there was literally, there were two things out in the woods that you could refer to. There was a set of broken down outhouses up on <laughs> Randy Stack Road that sat there for many years. And you'd said, well, when you got to the broken down outhouses, this is where you are. And then there was another place. There was a yellow stop sign. And those were like the only two landmarkers out there. And of course, Camba made it user friendly. Uh, we, we put our heads together and came up with this great, uh, great system. And, so Canva's 10 years younger. So we're, Schwamigan's going into the 37th. Canva uh, is 27 years old going into next year. So so they've had a great track record of, of raising money, using this great community uh, support that we have, and going out and building this trail network that's just crazy, crazy good. Just yeah. super good. Yeah, we we did two days of riding up there, little guy. What was your uh, takeaway on kind of the whole setup? I know I've been doing a lot of the uh, the blabbering like normal, but I guess that uh, you definitely got to have something for Gary. But then also just kind of your overall <laughs> takeaway on the event. And I mean, to oh. me, it's beyond just the Shawamigan mountain bike race, right? Like that's huge. Yeah, there's amazing oh, mountain bike trails up there, and like the yeah the pie store. Like, I mean, I don't know. I just think that there's so much cool the pie going store signs. There was a lot of good. I mean, I'd never been up there to ride, which is a total shame. I'd definitely be back because we did a couple trails day before, or day after. I had a lot of fun. I definitely want to go back with a better try it with a better start. I'm glad I started in the back the first time because it was kind of a good introduction to every bit of the race. But I definitely want to. I want to go back and uh, prove a point, <laughs> beat your time if nothing else, Jim. <laughs> that may that well, may like happen. Every every year is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know? I I thought it was great. I was it was a ton of fun. I was definitely like Tim said. It was after doing it, I was like, I can't believe it took me this many years to make it up here and do this race. People have been talking about it forever, and I just it just had never happened for some reason. So, so within well, you know, as, and as a destination, certainly 
you know, everybody always looked to Shawamigan weekend and that impact, you know, and that's pretty easy. I mean, we don't have any hard, fast data, but you figure X number of people come up and they spend Y number of dollars and, and, uh, it, and the bank accounts look good um, after everybody leaves. But the, the, the real economic development is that now, and this has changed over the years because it used to be you'd come up and road bike in the summer. And then when you started mountain biking, you mountain biked from the, after the uh, thaw came out of the ground in the spring until the gun deer season, you know, mm-hmm. uh, no hit. Well, then all of a sudden with the development of fat bikes, the only time you don't ride your bike up here or shouldn't, uh, and, and is during the spring breakup. And, and there's some, you know, rules and regulations with the land managers about staying off the trails when they're soft. It's only common sense. And during the gun deer season, although people go out and ride at night during the gun deer season, you know, because they, because they can, because you can ride your fat bike, you can ride your gravel bike, you can ride your mountain bike, you can ride your road bike. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you can ride anything. So all of a sudden cycling up here in this area, because of the infrastructure we've built, because of the community support, because of the good marketing we've done, because of the good results we've had with our events, and there are many, uh, people come up here year round. I mean, come up here and ride the fat bike trails in the winter. You'll be you'll be stunned. Yeah, well, you know, we, fat bikes. Uh, my, my uncle Ed keeps trying to get us up there on the fat bikes, and yeah, maybe, maybe that's going to have to happen. I, I think I'd probably I'd do, do it, it after seeing what the whole setup is. Now, um, we we always just have a long running joke about uh, fat bikes uh, revolutionizing cycling, and it it. When I look at them, I'm nothing but impressed when I see someone on a fat bike, especially at Schwamigan this year, doing the race on a fat bike. I was like, you, you've added like oh, yeah. five pounds. <laughs> like, and I'm already carrying five extra Never pounds mind. of mud. <laughs> no, but imagine, imagine, so you got your mud, you got your rocks, you got your roots, you got your bumpy roads. Now, freeze that all up solid and groom it smooth like a ski trail and take yeah. your bike up. And yeah. of course, I mean, you know, you could skip the 25 below in January. People people dress for that, and you you can always keep your core warm. But get out on a freshly groomed, firm trail, and it's kind of like you're on a like like you're on a slot car track. You know, it's just like cool curves, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and yeah, uh, it, sounds good. It takes all the jarring out of the out of the mountain biking. Plus, you got those big cushy fat bike tires to you know soak up some of the bumps. People love it. All right, well, it, it's magical in the woods. You now know? you you sold me. I guess, I guess I'll have to do it on the fat bike. I'm a pretty easy uh, convince. So the the last question I have on here may seem a little unique or whatnot, but one of the things with Schwamigan that always um, there was like this long quest for a single speed overall winner. Um, and we, oh, we yeah. kind of we we have big fan. You know, we we love single speed bikes. It's kind of how we got our start, and then it. It it finally happened with uh, Lalonde taking the win. When Lalonde won on a single speed, um, now obviously we weren't there. Were you surprised that it finally happened, or did you think that time was finally coming? Well, and and I was he actually was a footnote in my head when you asked me about like champions and and out of the top five, certainly Jesse Lalonde's uh, 2007 win on a single speed in our um, 25th anniversary is, is a, is a stunning story. Okay. Here's what's even more stunning about that story. Jesse, I mean, he, he was going to win that race in the top seven that year that came into the stadium at a similar time. Mm-hmm. There was a, there was a, a regular mountain bikes, 26 inches, 29 inches. Of course, Jesse on a single speed, there was a cross bike and there was a mixed tandem. So that kind of spoke to the nature of the race course that you kind of, you know, you, you run what you brung kind of. Exactly. And of course, Jesse had to be pretty damn crafty to win the 40. Uh, because in the place he could have lost the 40 is on the rollout because he's, I mean, imagine he's like the road runner out there. He is totally spun out. Yeah. Yeah. Just so- trying to say. Uh, stay up and i believe as the story went he he had to make up you know quite a few places after they hit rosie's field but um you know you didn't really think about a single speed 
win in the event because you're not really out there seeing how it all develops, you know, unless you're, you know, unless you're the guy in the lead ATV, you just kind of, or unless you've done some good inter, uh, interviews after the event, but boy, when Jesse came into the stadium, it was like, I mean, you could hear the collective jaws drop that, <laughs> that he, and, and, and it wasn't a slouch field. I mean, no. I mean, Tilford mm-hmm. field, um, yep. you know, he, he built, beat a really tough field on a single speed. That's crazy. Amazing. Like, like, where else has that happened? And I, I got to admit, you know, knowing that he won when the original plan was for me to bring my bike set up as a single speed Schwamigan just to beat, you know, Spencer and a uh, little guy here that I, I emailed, I was emailing with uh, Jesse's uh, brother, Marco, who's also done their race several times to see what his gearing was. And what he told me the gear, I was completely blown away by how steep of a gear that was. And he was all talking about, well, you got to stick with people in the rollout. And then you got to have enough because you're going to be running up some of those hills anyway. And I was like, all right, well, single speed's a great idea. I'm bringing a geared bike. <laughs> yep. 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 But yeah, you, it's, it, it, it's kind of the course is the great equalizer, you know? I mean, you could, we could have had it one on a cross bike this year. I, I guess Bjorn Seelander was well off the front at the rollout of the 40, and he's got some European cross experience, but then he ended up flattening out someplace. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what we had. Come uh, here. What we heard. But, you know, what? It will, it will happen, I'm sure, but it uh, definitely won't be one of the three of us. And uh, I think that we'll, <laughs> we'll definitely probably be back with a uh, request in that start gate because I, I have to defend the title now. And I, one thing I picked up on by a lot of the folks I talked to when, when we were up there was the amount of repeat uh, racers that come through. And now I can totally see why, but they're, you know, almost like a pilgrimage back to Schwamigan every year. So, um, I mean, it was, quite a, a, few, it was a great yeah, event. Quite a few. But, um, yeah. Like, oh, it's like old home week, you know? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. another place, another place that happens is over at my buddy, uh, Steve Brown's race that's this weekend, the Iceman. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's the end of the season race for everybody and uh totally different format you know iceman is uh is uh, wave starts by class from 9 30 in the morning to 2 30 in the afternoon and the last wave to go off is the pro man so, so we, have, that's, uh, that's, we had friends tell us about the iceman cometh that we're kind of when we were saying that we're going to the biggest event in the midwest a couple of our michigan listeners made sure to let us know about the iceman and we just totally we we're like yeah that's cool oh, yeah, no, but it's not schwamigan Iceman, and here's how that happened. Uh, Iceman had a similar uh, limit uh, as we do, and I've, I've known and consulted with Steve Brown for years and been over there a few times. Uh, somebody, he switched to a different uh, uh, online uh, registration provider, and for some reason they forgot to set the upper limit when the thing would turn off. <laughs> <laughs> Turning off at his limit, he ended up taking like 4,000 events. And, oh my gosh. And, and he told me, he said, well, what the hell? Uh, let's take him and let's just make it work. And, yeah. and, you know, that was a huge step for him to say, well, we'll take those all and then we'll figure out how we're going to make it work. And I, I don't know what his numbers are now, but they're, they're, they're still way up there. Yeah. Yeah. He can have that largest. I, um, uh, we had no desire to do that anymore, but, <laughs> but that's how that happened. It was actually a mistake in his, uh, platform oh nice <laughs> i like that style but i don't know yeah. overall gary we just wanted to say uh thank you for uh putting on the years i mean i wish that uh putting on the event over the years i wish we would have uh, been there a long time ago but uh in your your last time at the helm you did not disappoint you put out one heck of a party and uh we're definitely become uh fans for the uh eternity of the shawamigan fat tire festival so uh, i appreciate it and I for know, sure uh, Spencer does as well, and uh, little guy. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I got hooked up with you. And uh, in, in in spite of what your uncle Ed said, he's uh, he he loves you guys. <laughs> so do I. You're, you're great guys. And appreciate the coverage, and uh, Ed and I become uh, just great friends. Well, awesome. yeah, we look forward to it. Thank we'll you. see you next year when you're a little bit less busy at the uh, start line. We hope, but um, we'll do our best not to uh, send you any emails about our. Um, you know, prescribed start gate or any other type of general question that I'm sure you no longer want to answer. 
Well, my my work emails going away, so so they won't. <laughs> oh. But but here's the Get here's the quick. thing, and this this will drive the new director nuts, uh, Peter. Uh, you can always put a line in there. Well, Gary said. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> we hate it when people say, you know, well, Peter said. Well, you could oh. say, well, you know, I was talking to Gary, and he said I should be in a better game. Oh, you know? I love uh, that. That, that, yeah. that might be on the T-shirt next year. Well, Gary said, yeah. and then uh, there you go. Well, thanks. I'm glad you guys came. I've, I've enjoyed your uh, podcast. Well, thank no, you, uh, Gary. And I got to admit, I am already checking my mailbox for the next issue of Fat Tracks because no other race have I ever participated in. I've gotten a newspaper telling me everything I need to know about it. When I got yeah. that, it was like the greatest day. I, was, I called Spencer and Matt right away. I was like, did you guys get the newspaper? Yeah. Like, We're doing an event with a newspaper. This is amazing. Well, so here's one part in the transition, since you mentioned that. This is the last issue of Fat Track. Oh, oh, no. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, they'll, they'll, go to, they'll go to more electronic, you know, uh, e-news kind of stuff. But I'm an old school guy. You know, I mean, I, I produced in there. I've got an article about the first issues of Fat Track. I produced that on a manual typewriter, for Pete's sake. Yes. You know? <laughs> Love that's so great. That's how, far, that's how far back we go. Yeah. Uh, well, I love the I love the. The analog copy. It's it's so much nicer to hold it in your hands than read it online. But I well, then you then you email the new guy and let <laughs> yeah, him know. I will. Well, Gary yeah. said that if I email yeah, you, it's going to happen. Yep, I'll get a I'll get a newsprint <laughs> copy if I email you. <laughs> well, Gary, thank you so much for uh, your time, and we really Thanks, appreciate guys. it. And uh, we'll uh, hope to uh, talk to you soon. All right, take care, guys. Thanks a yep. lot. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.